and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin's online worship service, where we gather virtually and in spirit every Sunday morning. We are a spiritual community dedicated to the free and responsible search for truth, meaning, and beauty. I'm Chris Jimerson, Minister for Program Development at the Church, and I welcome each of you to our service. If you're new to First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin, I especially want to welcome you and invite you, if you feel so moved and are on a platform where you can do so, to leave us a comment and let us know who you are and where you're watching from. You'll also see in the comments a link to an online visitors form that you can fill out to let us know a little bit more about you also. Unitarian Universalists come from a long tradition of seeing a spark of the divine in every person. Let's connect those divine sparks now, either by greeting each other in the comments or by simply feeling the heartstrings that keep us connected with one another. Join me in saying our chalice lighting. This is the flame we hold in our hearts as we strive for justice for everyone. This is the light we shine upon systems of oppression until they are no more. This is the warmth that we share with one another as our struggle becomes our salvation. Henry Nelson Weeman was a white American philosopher and theologian who was instrumental in shaping thinking about religious naturalism. He wrote, Inevitably in our lives, we commit ourselves to something, whether worthy or not. The direction and intensity of our loyalties give shape and meaning to our lives. Loyalties, commitments, covenants, the promises we make to one another. These are the things that tell us to what we belong. By doing so, they tell us who we are. One of the things that helps us keep bound together as a religious community during this time that we can't gather together in person yet is that we at First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin share a common purpose. It's our mission. The church wrote its own mission. We put it on the wall in our sanctuary and we carry it with us in our hearts all through the week. Every Sunday, we say it together. Let's do so now. Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community.
Christine D. Pohl is an author, researcher, and professor at Asbury Theological Seminary. This comes from her book, Living into Community, Cultivating Practices that Sustain Us. While we want community, it is often community on our terms, with easy entrances and exits, lots of choice and support, and minimal responsibilities. It would be so much easier if we could be connected without being encumbered. Despite the fact that many of us claim to be dissatisfied with individualism, we cherish our capacity to make individual choices and to seek opportunities for personal growth. Communities in which we grow and flourish last over time and are built by people who are faithful to one another and committed to a shared purpose. Community life certainly has moments of incredible beauty and intense personal connection, but much of it is daily and ordinary. Our lives are knit together not so much by intense feeling as by shared history, tasks, commitments, stories, and sacrifices. I invite you now into a time for centering, a time of breathing deeply in and out, in and out. And as we breathe together, let us feel the heartstrings that keep us connected as we transform virtual space into beloved religious community. Breathe in, breathe out, in and out. Now we follow our breath to a deeper place inside, a place of greater wisdom, a place where we know the profound promises we make to each other that connect us together that place where a spark of the divine resides within each of us. As we continue our meditative breathing, we'll have a few moments of music, during which I invite you to light a candle, a candle representing sorrow, joy, remembrance, hope. Thank you. 
Recently, one of our Texas senators criticized President Biden for being boring. I thought, yes, thank goodness. Thank goodness for a public servant committed to doing the hard work of good governance, serving the people they represent. The spiritual topic we're exploring in the church this month is commitment. What does it mean to be a people of commitment? And I wanted to start with this idea that, as in the reading Bear shared with us earlier, sometimes commitment is daily and ordinary. Sometimes it may even be boring. Sometimes commitment is doing the daily work of living out the promises we have made to one another, even if that task isn't fascinating and exciting all of the time. Sometimes it's just feeding the dogs or cats twice a day. Sometimes commitment means having perhaps difficult but necessary conversations with our spouses or partners. Sometimes it's maintaining relationship with family members and loved ones even when it is a little strained occasionally because of political differences or other disagreements. It's good to remember that if those whom we disagree are sticking with us anyway, that means they are committed to the relationship also. Sometimes commitment is doing the umpteen relatively mundane task involved with caring for children. The commitments our parents in this church have kept with each other and with your children this past year have been nothing short of awe-inspiring. So, fulfilling our commitments isn't always intense and exciting, filled with a sense of awe and wonder. And yet, yet, our commitments are how we create deep connection. Our commitments to ourselves, to other people, to music, the arts, to learning, to our planet, to any number of worthy causes, these are a huge part of how we define ourselves. So, for instance, tomorrow is the first day of Climate Justice Month, so there'll be all kinds of ways we can commit to helping save our ailing planet. You can get more information at our Unitarian Universalist Ministry for the Earth website at www.uumfe.org. And you can also connect with our Green Sanctuary team here at the church by sending an email to green at austinuu.org. And likewise, today marks the 56th anniversary of the beginning of the Selma to Montgomery March for voting rights and civil rights more broadly. This creates a great opportunity for all of us to reiterate and recommit to anti-racism, anti-oppression, and building the beloved community. Now, I wanted to share with you that research has found that living out these types of commitments, as well as our interpersonal commitments with ourselves and others, are key, key to our sense of well-being, worthiness, and indeed, our happiness. I want to come back to this later. I want to come back to how commitment creates connections that can help us through even the most difficult of times. First, though, I thought I should start with a warning about how misplaced commitment or overcommitment can lead us astray and even be harmful sometimes. 
When I was younger, I served as the director of an HIV-AIDS research nonprofit. Later, I went on to serve as the director of an immigration law and advocacy organization. In both instances, I was extremely committed to the work. Too committed. Overly committed. I worked way too many hours and didn't take good care of myself. I would set expectations for myself that were too high and then feel disappointed if I fell short of them. Thank goodness, as I've grown older, I have grown out of that tendency. Well, sort of. During the snowpocalypse we went through here in Texas last month, my spouse Wayne and I were without electricity from Monday, February, February 15, until the evening of Friday the 19th. Now, I was supposed to write the sermon that week and then record it on that Friday, but of course, I had no internet connection and my computer wouldn't work. Well, on Thursday morning, my spouse Wayne had to talk me out of it when I informed him that I was going to go in the garage, open the garage door, start one of the cars, plug in my iPhone to keep it charged, and try to write the sermon on the phone. <sighs> Maybe I can still get a little too committed sometimes. Thank goodness for our commitments with wise spouses. I contacted Meg and we made an alternative plan. In a similar way, sometimes we can overcommit in our relationships with others or life circumstances and human fallibility can cause us to fail or even just be unable to fulfill a commitment at times. When that happens, we try to find ways to get back into relationship, re-establish the connection. That's why in our church's covenant of healthy relations, a set of promises we make to one another, one of those promises is to forgive ourselves and others when we fall short of expectations, showing good humor and the optimism required for moving forward. Conversely, though, conversely, Sometimes we have to renegotiate or withdraw our commitments when they could be harmful to us or to others. Dr. Rebecca Ann Parker, former president of our Unitarian Universalist Star King School for the Ministry, tells the story of a woman who came into her office at a church she was serving at the time. The woman's husband was physically abusing her and he had started abusing their children also. The woman had seen the name of a female minister on the church's sign and sought out Reverend Parker after her own male pastor had told her that she had to stay in the marriage, honor the vows, the commitments she had made at her wedding. He had told her that she should rejoice in her sufferings because they would bring her closer to Jesus. She quoted him as saying, Jesus suffered because he loved us. If you love Jesus, accept the beatings and bear them gladly as Jesus bore the cross. No. No. Any religion that instruct us, instructs us to commit to suffering is violating the divine, defiling the spirit of love. And when someone abuses the commitments we have made to them that badly, those commitments are rendered null. They are rendered void. Now, even in non-abusive situations, sometimes we have to renegotiate our commitments. 
My first partner and I lived together for six years. At the end of those six years, though, we found that we needed to renegotiate our commitments because we had just grown in very different directions. We were able to successfully renegotiate the relationship and turn it into a friendship. That was many, many years ago, and we remain friends today. Finally, I share with you a saying from Talmudic sages in Judaism. You are not required to finish your work, yet neither are you permitted to desist from it. I think, at least in part, this warns us against focusing on a desired ultimate outcome with things like climate change. Such a focus may be too large and too unlikely to be resolved within our lifetime. Such a focus has the potential to overwhelm us and actually stifle our commitment to combating climate change. And the same thing can happen with so many different social justice issues. This guides us to focus on the project, the effort that is good and right, the smaller differences we can make as we go. I want to show you a short video that I think really captures this idea. How many of us have heard the starfish story about a little boy throwing starfish into the ocean? Despite being disparaged by an older man, the story ends with the boy giving the famous line, It mattered to that one. While it's a great story that's been popular for decades, the original story has so much more depth. It was written in 1978 by Lauren Isley, a science writer, based on experiences from his own life. Isley goes on a trip to a coastal tourist town alone. He's in a pessimistic and difficult place in his life. The trip is a soul-searching one for him. As he contemplates his life and his many challenges, he feels especially lonely. One evening, as Isley walks thoughtfully along the beach, he notices that there is sea life scattered along the beach due to the low tide. There are professional shellers and tourists who are anxiously picking them up to cook or sell. The stranded creatures don't stand a chance. This frantic grasping for personal gain adds to Isley's feelings of pessimism toward humanity. The next morning at dawn, Isley goes to the beach for another walk. The same gatherers are still on the beach, but this time he notices a lone figure on the horizon on a rocky part near a cove. As Isley gets closer, he sees the man picking up starfish from the small tide pools and throwing them back into the sea. He approaches the man and strikes up a conversation. The star-throwing man, with kindness in his eyes, tells him, The stars throw well. One can help them. Isley is astounded at his optimism. As he walks away, he's filled with cynicism about the man's futile goal. Into the evening, Isley contemplates more about life, has a change of heart, and then decides to revisit the star-thrower the next day. On the beach the next morning, standing beside the star thrower, Isley quietly picks up and throws a starfish into the ocean. Isley then says, I understand. Call me another thrower. 
and tells himself that he won't let the star thrower be alone in his mission to save a life, one at a time. It concludes with Isley and the star thrower standing together, looking out at the sea. Isley writes, But we, pale and alone and small in that immensity, hurled back the living stars. Somewhere far off, I felt as though another world was flung more joyfully. I could have thrown in a frenzy of joy, but I set my shoulders and cast as the thrower, slowly, deliberately as well. The task was not too assumed lightly, for it was men as well as starfish that we sought to save. Now, despite the cautions I've been talking about, I want to close by going back to how vital our commitments can be to our overall well-being. The commitments I have with this church and this religious faith, the connections I feel because of them, have helped sustain me through this past year of the pandemic and having to shelter in place. I have felt so grateful to do ministry with our senior minister, Meg, whose commitment to keeping this church going has been nothing short of amazing. I am in awe of our incredible, marvelous church staff and volunteers and their commitment to this religious community. They have put in Herculean efforts, and I am extraordinarily grateful for each and every one of them. And I cannot even begin to express what I feel for you all, the members and participants in this church who have kept it going, joining in virtually for over a year, volunteered, pledged, contributed, supported one another, and kept this community alive in more ways than I can express in the time I have today. I am filled with love for all the folks who make up this religious community. The commitments I have gotten to share with you all and Meg and our staff over the last extraordinarily difficult year, the commitment I share with my spouse, Wayne, and our two little dogs, Louisa May Alcott and Benjamin Franklin, these are the biggest part of what helped me make it through these times. I think sometimes our commitments are a big part of what helps keep us alive. Let there now be an offering to support the ministry and mission of this church and help keep it going during these challenging times. If you're visiting us from another city, of course, we would gratefully accept your contribution. But if you have a UU church in your city which just isn't doing worship right now, we would ask you to contribute to that church and help keep it going. If you scroll up on Facebook or go to austinuu.org, you'll find a link to go to our secure online giving page. There's a drop box where you can select plate contribution to give to the offering, and you'll see that you can also contribute that way to contribute towards your pledges, for instance. Finally, you may also mail a contribution to the church. It's 4700 Grover Avenue, 78756. We are gratefully checking the mail and making deposits each week.
I invite you to join me now as we extinguish our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. In the days and weeks to come, may you make commitments that bring you connection, joy, love, and a deep and abiding sense of who you are at the very core of your soul. I wish you peace. I send you much love. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.